podcast family and welcome to caregiving is a ministry where we look at the word of god through the lens of caregiving don't forget to follow me on facebook at caregiving is a ministry all one word today we're going to be in the book of john the 14th chapter verses 1 through 3 i'm going to be reading from the modern english version and it reads let not your heart be troubled you believe in god believe also in me In my father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. And and where I am, you may be also. This may seem like an unlikely passage to discuss trusting and waiting on God, but when you read it again, for me, that's exactly what this passage is saying. Jesus is getting ready to be crucified, and he is preparing his disciples for not only his death, death, but their journey as apostles in the days after his death. This passage that is looked upon as an encouraging passage, for me, takes on a new meaning because it's encouragement to continue on continue with what God has laid out for them as the new leaders of what will be called Christianity. Um, Were they prepared for this? Yes. Did they know that they were prepared? Absolutely not. (laughs) Doesn't that sound a lot like our journey as caregivers? We, we didn't know that we were prepared for the journey. I didn't know that I was prepared for the journey, but I was. God was equipping me. And it, it can also sound a lot like parenting, right? Or whatever it is, you can fill in the blank. When God places us in those situations, we may think, Ugh, I'm not ready for this. But we are. That's why he's placed us in them. And, and by us being in those situations and on that journey, it doesn't mean that we have all the answers right then and there. But we are equipped and he will continue to equip us as we continue the journey on. But I want us to reread this scripture one more time and listen to what um, Jesus is instructing them to do. I want us to read between the lines. So once again, here it is, John 14, 1 through 3. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, you may be also. What he's saying is it's going to get hard, right? Do not let your hearts be troubled. And actually a few verses down at the 27, I believe he actually states, that's when he states in this world, you'll have trials and tribulations. But then he says, but to take encouragement, encouragement knowing and that he will return, remembering their faith to lean back on their faith in him, to trust in him and who he is and who he professed to be as they got to know him over those three years and the fact that he will return. That statement that he will return then suggests that he's going someplace that they cannot follow. 
and until he returns to remember their trust in him to continue to put their trust and their faith in him while he is away that he will return says that when he returns everything will happen as he stated would everything will come to fruition right but while he's away they're waiting and here's here's the key they're not waiting just sitting in their rooms right not like they were when they were in the upper room immediately upon his um ascension that was necessary for them to be still so that they could be filled with the holy spirit but notice immediately after they were filled with the holy spirit they got busy that's when christianity started to spread sure they were waiting but they were waiting actively actively waiting for the return of the messiah our savior for me this is the first month of Black History Month here in America. And so I'm looking at this passage and I'm drawing parallels. Because for me, there was another group of people who are who were actively waiting. And those people were my African ancestors. Hmm. Upon being brought here in America, they were introduced to Christianity. Praise God. And my ancestors took hold of all the promises in God's word. They identified with the children of Israel as they too had been enslaved they were enslaved in egypt and as god had promised to set them free my ancestors looked to jesus to set them free as well for israel they were held um, captive and were enslaved in egypt for 400 years africans here were enslaved for 200 years and then Both groups eventually, of course, after 400 years, after 200 years for African-Americans, they were set free. But during those 200 years, my ancestors, they prayed, they got closer to the Lord, they plotted ways to end slavery, they strategized ways to end slavery, they let their voices be heard despite the consequences. Their belief in God and their trust in God caused them to actively wait. Their faith manifested itself in action. Once Israel was free from the Egyptians, they then were captive and exploited by various enemy nations. Yet Israel continued to remember remember God's promise to them. They are his chosen people. And God sent shepherds, we now know as the prophets, to remind them of the promise because it got hard and he didn't want their hearts to be troubled. The exploitation of the Jim Crow South that continued to deny blacks their humanity was rampant right after slavery. Yet my ancestors knew God's word told them that they had been made in the very image of God. And so they kept actively waiting and trusting in God. That actively waiting came across or or developed into the civil rights movement and other things to continue to agitate and to actively seek that justice that we know God would have everyone have. Today, I think we can acknowledge, not just here in America, but worldwide, that we haven't come to a state of consciousness where we see the humanity in everyone, 
no matter their race, their ethnicity, their gender, or sexual identity. So we wait, holding on to the promises of God, remembering his promises to us as individuals and to us collectively as a people. As the body of Christ, we are to remember that there will be a day when Jesus returns. And until that day arrives, what are we to be doing? And that's the question for the church. What are we to be doing? We see God is a God of not just, at least the way he works with me, he doesn't just give me one task. It's like he, you know, is in the army where, you know, he believes in multitasking. So for the church to believe that our sole purpose, our only purpose, is to spread the good news of Christ. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But in spreading the good news of Christ, the good news is that we are free in him, that our, that our God is just, and that we demonstrate what that looks like because we're citizens of his kingdom. And so our churches should look like that. The world should look at how we conduct ourselves and see that they are falling short. We shouldn't bring the world in our churches. We should take our churches out into the world where they see that God has created all people, that he is no respecter of persons, that there is no scarcity in his kingdom. So there's no need for greed. There is no need to worry about different people coming into different places and taking our jobs and all the other stuff that the enemy has infiltrated our churches with. What are we to be doing as the body of Christ as we're waiting for his return? I draw back from the statement that James made. You can't just pray for a person. I'm going to pray that you aren't hungry anymore and go in peace. No, we have to actively help them to not be hungry anymore. What is the church doing as we're waiting for God. So now let's look at what he's told us to do as individuals. Right now you're in a season of caring for your loved one, but I know that's not the only season you're in. Or you could be in an equipping mode of being educated, whether it be a formal education or education through your current experiences. Your season could be parenting, teaching, what have you. What I want you to recognize is whatever seasons, I guess I should make that plural, you find yourself in, you are to be actively waiting for Jesus. When God puts us in a waiting mode, it's not a time out mode. A time out mode is when you really can't do anything where you can't move <laughs> and I've met people who have been in a timeout mode some of them have recognized that they're in a timeout mode some of them have not but you can't do anything right there's nothing that you can do through a physical ailment or just what have you you're stuck that's a timeout mode and that's a time where you're supposed to get with God because he has something to say and he's grabbed your you by the ear so that you can listen but when you're in a waiting mode, which all of us are, we can still do things. There are still tasks that he's given us to do that he's placed in our hearts. But know that, know that whatever season you find yourself in, 
you're still to pursue Jesus, to kindle the fire of the love affair that you have with the Lord. We're all supposed to do that no matter what season we find ourselves in. As we actively work on our relationship with our Lord, he draws us closer to him. We gain an intimacy with him, and it is that intimacy, I believe, that builds up our trust in him, that gives us the confidence to endure and advance while we are waiting for guidance for the next season of our lives, while we're waiting for the next diagnosis of our loved ones or for ourselves, while we wait for our life's partner, while we wait for the promotion, while we wait for children, while we wait for graduating from seminary, (laughs) while we wait for justice, and of course, while we wait for his return. I go back to the question that I asked. What is the church doing doing while we're waiting for God? Are we doing all that we can? Are we demonstrating to the world that we actually believe what the Bible says and we are allowing the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts so that we look more like Jesus, more loving, more caring, more compassionate? Are the practices that we put in place in our homes, do they demonstrate that we understand that we are to love each other and speak kind words and to set each other up for success? Are we demonstrating that outside the home, in our work environments, in, in, our, in the ways that we um, practice community, in the policies that we support? Are we doing that? I want you to Take courage, my friends, just as Jesus told us to not let our hearts be troubled because we know we have a long way to go. But what I want us to do, my friends, is for us to continue to put our trust in Jesus and learn to wait actively for him. This is no time for us to sit on the couch. It's time for us to be busy about the business of our Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you. We thank you for reminding us that you will return and that until that your return, Lord, that you have given us projects to do. (laughs) You've given us seasons in our lives that we are to care for our loved one, that we are to raise children, that we are to be wonderful spouses, that we are to be managers, waitresses, waiters, what have you, that you didn't leave us here on this world for us just to be stagnant sitting down, you know, but you have given us a purpose, and our purpose is that people see you in us. Help us as a body of Christ, Lord, to recognize that we have a responsibility to allow you to shine through us. And that the things that we do ought to be in concert with your word. We don't want people to see us as hypocritical. We want them to see you in us. Help our actions speak of the love of Jesus. Help our words speak to the love of Jesus. Help our thoughts speak to the love of Jesus. 
Give us your lens to start seeing people as you see people. You died for us, for each and every person on this earth. So help us to recognize that and to allow you to use us so that they will be drawn closer to you. Help us to actively wait for you and help us to continue to put our faith in you, to continue to cultivate our relationship with you and to grow in you. We love you, Lord, but more importantly, you love us and we thank you for that. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray, amen. All right, my podcast family, go and minister the act of caregiving. In the name of Jesus, bye. Thank you.